Hello, this is Oz Cohen, and I am making this log in accordance with the Mineral Hill Records Keeping Act. It is December 20th, 2058, and if this sounds like I'm doing this in my kitchen, uh, you're very right. I, I absolutely am. Uh, I needed to do this yesterday and didn't get a chance to, uh, but I'm doing it now because I absolutely have to. Uh, so, we're going to have a little bit of a uh, impromptu discussion here. Uh, thankfully, the only person who's ever going to listen to this will be my replacement. Um, so, you and I, my replacement, are going to have a little moment together. We're going to have a, a little discussion about Mineral Hill. That's the eggs. Uh, so, here's the thing. If you're listening to this... It means that I have a replacement, which means I was successful to some degree or another. Uh, and there's a question that we'll get to why. So yesterday, I was promoted to Joint Projects Director here at Mineral Hill. My predecessor, Jean-Fei Zhao, was promoted to the board of, that is too much butter, of the International Breakthrough Research Consortium. She is going to do great. She is vastly more qualified than I am. Of that, there can be no doubt. Uh, but no, she's going to do wonderfully. And uh, I, in talking with the board, got a chance to find out exactly why I was chosen. Because I wasn't first pick. I, I cannot stress that enough. I, uh, I knew that going into it, as a matter of fact, between the interview period and getting chosen, um, I... I leased a condo that's just kind of sitting there now. Uh, I'm trying to get out of it, so that's fun. The uh, legal office is helping me with that. Um, but yeah, I, I talked to the board, and I got a chance to find out exactly why they chose me. And the reason isn't... It's not great. So, here's a short version of it. It's, it's 2058. You know, we can put people on Mars. We can kind of reduce, reverse global warming. We're working on it. It's getting better. Uh, but apparently, even in 2058, we cannot not have, double negative, uh, some, uh, let's, let's be political. Let's be generous. Let's say nativists. We can't not have some nativists in the American government. And um, Mineral Hill has become kind of their favorite bugbear of late. Saying, oh, it's, you know, foreign influence on American soil, blah, 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 whatever. Um, you and I know that's not true, but uh, they and many of their constituents, uh, well, I'm actually going to go ahead and say that they also know that, but that's not the point. They don't care. Um, oh, that is perfect. God, I'm good at cooking eggs. Um, but yeah, I was chosen, one, because I am a fantastic communicator, which I'm sure you can tell by the audio quality and professionalism of my message to you, but also because, you know, Zhang-Fei Zhao, very talented woman, very smart, vastly more educated than I am, far more qualified than I am, but she's from Guangzhou. I think I pronounced that correctly. I'm from Fort Worth. I did most of my undergrad in Lubbock, Texas. Um, I, uh, if they put me on a congressional hearing, put me in front of a congressional hearing, I'm going to sound the way those people want someone to sound. And the depressing fact of it is 
they're not going to see me as a as a foreign infiltrator. They're going to see me as someone who spent a, a good portion of my childhood on a ranch, which uh, I don't want to make them sound like a bunch of rubes, but you know, if the shoe fits. So, you know, there's that. Now, these people, I want to stress, you know, they can't defund Mineral Hill outright. The the, the treaties and compacts the, the United States signed back in the back in the 20s, you know, they can't just walk back on those. They can't just say, well, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to we're not going to pay what we said we were going to pay. But what they can do is they can make it impossible for us to you know, maintain our, our protocols in Century County. They can make it harder for us to hand out uh, visas. They can do that. And uh, they're going to try. So I'm being brought in to basically be PR. And I can do that. That's that's something that I can... I'm confident that I can do. Uh, and part of why I'm a little rushed this morning is I've got to go... Um, well, before I go to the communications office, I've got to go out to the, uh, the bioreactor plant they're building a new uh, a new biofuel thing out there. I will admit that I failed biochem twice, so I I you know <laughs> I'm gonna go out there look at it and be like, yep, that's a tube, and then I'm gonna go to the communications office where I've got to go record the train thing because it's a little out of date, which should be fun, uh, and then I am gonna sit down have a talk with the uh, the communications people about what we can do as far as PR goes. Because I have an idea. I talked to the board about it, and they seem horrified by it, which means I like it a lot more than I did before I suggested it. Um, when I did my uh, my postdoc here, I, uh, they had a, or still have, there's a radio thing here called Radio Mineral Hill, a very original name. Um, it has kind of a college, you know, college radio station vibe. I like it a lot. Um, because, you know, I was not only an improv kid during my undergrad, I was also a, a college radio kid. The worst form of theater kid. Hmm. That's real copy. Nice. Um, but yeah, I, I'm gonna... I think I'm gonna try to retrofit that into a public outreach thing. Remind people that Mineral Hill is not, you know, grinding babies into cat food. But is as a matter of fact doing some very good work to try to save the world. But in the meantime, I'm going to eat my eggs, I'm going to put my boots on, and then I'm going to go look at that bioreactor, and, uh, and yeah, and I'm going to say this. If you're listening to this, and you are my replacement, and hopefully not just some student looking for something to put into a dissertation, I, uh... I hope it means, I hope my having a replacement means I was successful. I hope my having a replacement means that Mineral Hill still exists. And I, uh, I was, you know, again, just successful. And if you're listening to this, I'm going to leave you a much more formal, much less not at 8 o'clock in the morning as I'm trying to leave my house message. But I just, you know, good luck. We're doing good work here, and I hope that, that I left you, I hope I left it better than I found it. Hello, I'm the Joint Projects Director of the Mineral Hill International Research Facility, Oz Cohen, and I'd like to thank you for coming to Century County. 
Regardless of whether you're connected with the International Breakthrough Research Consortium, a partner researcher, press, or a new citizen coming to live in Century County, your orientation package, or the smaller pamphlet in the pocket in your seat, contains some useful information about Mineral Hill and the surrounding area. I would, however, like to take just a few moments of your time to discuss where you'll be going today and some useful information to keep in mind. First off, I would remind everyone that you are going to West Texas. The nights can be cold during parts of the year, and during others the days can be very hot. If you come from a cooler climate, don't be afraid to learn from the locals. We've had a long time to get used to the weather. This train, commonly called the Lubbock Line, is going to stop in Virgil, Texas, a city of about a quarter million people. For those staying with us for a while, Virgil will likely become very familiar to you. Mineral Hill is around 15 minutes away, and only has a population of about a tenth of Virgil's, so if there's anything you need Mineral Hill doesn't have, Virgil is a short trip away, and there's a tram and auto cars that run between the two, free of charge. You likely already know about the IBRC's deal with Century County and the government of the United States, but it's always worth reiterating. When you are within Century County, you are, of course, on American soil, and all the relevant laws of the United States still apply. At the same time, the IBRC has special leeway to grant research visas and enforce our regulations, especially those pertaining to safety and public disclosure. On the topic of visas, if you're coming from outside of the United States, I must note that as long as you're staying within Mineral Hill or not traveling beyond Virgil, you won't need more than your facility identification or whatever identification would otherwise work in the rest of America. If you're going outside of Century County, however, please take copies of your documentation with you. Naturally, because our research covers a wide array of fields, we have a lot of regulations. There is one in particular I want to state for what is surely not the first time you've heard it. The short version is that all research that takes place at any facility operated by the International Breakthrough Research Consortium, in particular Mineral Hill, is considered the property of the public commons. That means we release everything to the public. Now, of course, there are rare exceptions to that in the case of research with obvious and immediate harmful uses. This is most common in our biotechnology division and is a significant part of why we do not back gain-of-function research or take part in weapons research. Requests for non-disclosure are handled by the Disclosure Review Board, of which the Joint Projects Director, myself, is the chair. Failure to abide by our disclosure rules often ends with a revoked visa. This is doubly the case with our corporate partners, and both times a corporate partner has violated this policy, we have not just revoked that researcher's visa, but also the partner rights of the parent organization. I know that sounds a little strict, but please understand, this is one of the core policies underpinning the IBRC's philosophy, and without it, we likely would not be here. If you have any questions, you can talk to a lot of people. We have our communications office on the corner of Century and Love in downtown Mineral Hill, where you can stop at any time during the day, which I will note is right next to the JPD office. Each of your divisions also have their own directors and subdirectors, all of whom will be eager to help you. If you are one of our corporate partners, you will also have a local representative, probably in Virgil, who can and will almost certainly happily help you with anything else. Finally, the Century County Citizens Board is there to help. If you need help with anything involving your housing, healthcare, children needing help in school, or you're having a hard time with anything domestic like that, let them know. Additionally, because of the varied needs of our citizenry and visitors, the basic income in Century County is a little higher than elsewhere. If you need additional assistance with your UBI, the Triple CB is the office you want to talk to. If you're coming from a country that does not have a UBI, and there's any last-minute confusion, don't feel bad. That's very common. 
All you need to know is that your basic cost of living will be covered while you're here. You'll still be paid, and if you want, you can spend that pay on different housing, certain optional public services, or just things you want to own and do. But if you like, you can set that money aside and have it to take with you when you go home. I look forward to meeting as many of you and your families as possible over the coming few days of orientations, and hopefully, the coming years of living and working together. That's all the time I'm going to take from you all right now, but again, thank you very much. Welcome to Mineral Hill. It is nice to block the doorway. It is nice to go to jail. There are nicer ways to do it. But the nice ways always fail. It isn't nice. It isn't nice. You told us once. You told us twice. But if that is freedom's price, we don't mind. If you should have a tuner, it is provably set to FM 99.2. And if you are one of our tuned in and turned on listeners, it is time to heave to, trice up, mill about smartly throughout the premises, making certain every radio in sight is set to Century County's favorite station for music, news, and local events. And in so doing, continue to do whatever you must to ensure this remains the case in perpetuity. As for the rest of you, good afternoon and warmest greeting, listeners, local and far away. And welcome to Radio Mineral Hill. This is Oz Cohen speaking to you today from the corner of Love and Century here in Mineral Hill, Texas. Sheltered by the fine and comfortable hermitage of the Tracy Preston Communications Office. Last I looked across the street to the glowing light of the municipal mercantile, the time was 4.06 in the afternoon on December 28th, 2058, here at the westernmost point in the central time zone in the loving heart of Greater Century County. I am overseen today by a former and now once again current compatriot of mine, our program's producer and silent monitor, the steady hand himself, Avi Primick. For those listening locally, we will have news breaks as brought to you by the austere and respectable Julia Arenas. And with weather and local sports together, the inimitable Casey Krieg, who will be bringing us their update at about 4.30. However, today is different because it is far more likely you are not here in the distant and somewhat dusty domain of the International Breakthrough Research Consortium. Oh, no, no. In fact, I am actually very willing to bet that if you're listening to this right now, you have either downloaded or are currently streaming our broadcast, and I would like to thank you for checking us out today, kind of coming on on down to our little presentation today to uh, learn about us. Because this is, in fact, the first ever broadcast of this little local program intended for public consumption outside of our community. And it'll be a little bit different. Once every week, we're going to take a portion of one of our broadcasts and change up the format just a little bit. Have it be something to play to a broader audience to educate, inform, hopefully entertain people. While talking about the IBRC, Mineral Hill, and just what it is we do, have done, and will continue to do here in our friendly little corner of the world. Today, if you'll let me, I'm going to talk about the history of Mineral Hill and the International Breakthrough Research Consortium themselves, but I'm going to keep it tight and quick because I want to talk about how exactly we function here. I would also like to say, before we start with today's public broadcast, 
that I wish the very best to my predecessor in her promotion, Zhangfei Zhao. She is taking an executive position on the board for the International Breakthrough Research Consortium, which I almost did not say correctly, but it is that, uh, which is, of course, the organization that uh, we at Mineral Hill operate under. In her stead, I have been promoted to Joint Projects Director here at Mineral Hill. Again, I am Oz Cohen. Some of you might have heard of me. I've made some of the rounds in science communication circuits. And for about a year, until 2055, I was on a special laboratory committee in the Department of Energy, which is terribly exciting, I know. But I, I returned to the private and non-governmental sector, and now I am uh, doing the truest form of science communication, which is sitting behind a microphone, because uh, this is the first time I've been behind a mic like this since I was a... Uh, an undergrad doing college radio. I am. I'm. I maybe ironically, Avi's shaking his head. Uh, maybe ironically, that's not what irony means. I know. Um, either way, I'm. I'm probably more used to public speaking, like on a stage or in front of a camera, than I am behind a microphone. Um, it's been a while. Again, so this is gonna be a little bit of a learning experience. Uh, that said, I want to keep things kind of loose, keep it conversational. Uh, you know, maybe at some point when we get some people in here to talk, we'll have a similarly light, conversational, fun style. And I don't, I don't want to just read a script because you know I could, I could just get an AI to do that, and I'm not, I'm not gonna do that. So um, yeah, let's let's get underway. Let's um, we're gonna. Okay, obvious, obvious signaling to me that we actually need to take a quick station break. Uh, we're gonna do a little local identifier, little local signifier. Whatever it's called. Station Identifier. Thank you. And uh, we'll get right back to it. When we get back, we're going to... Um, yeah, we'll we'll start in on the IBRC. Heck yeah. And uh, for those of you who are listening over a stream, uh, we're just going to have a cut here. And then we're... Yeah. And we're back. Like I said, just a little cut there if you're streaming. Uh, you missed our Station Identifier. I didn't... I didn't not know what it was earlier. I just misspoke horribly. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I want to talk a little bit, before we kind of get on the, the more boring history stuff, I want to talk about what the, the IBRC, the International Breakthrough Research Consortium, actually is. We are a non-governmental organization. That means, you know, we're not a, not a government, but we are an organization. It's a very descriptive name, I'm aware. And uh, we are what you might call a project-based research group. So... One, we specialize in, obviously, research. We provide, um, you know, kind of, I don't want to say human resources, but, you know, if, you, if you're, if you let's say you're a scientist, you want to do some research, and you want to meet all the other scientists, well, you talk to us, and we'll get you in contact with people who can help you do the thing you want to do. That's something we're very good at. We also can provide uh, material connections to laboratories, to equipment, to uh, funding, of course. We do not have uh, many labs that are, or really any labs, that are as uh, well-developed as Mineral Hill proper. Uh, Mineral Hill is a little unique, which we're going we're gonna to talk about Mineral Hill in a hot second. Uh, but Mineral Hill is unique in the IBRC in that it is basically an entire community dedicated to research. Um, now, I said earlier that the IBRC is, is a projects-based research group. And the thing about that is we do some, you know, plain, direct, good old-fashioned, just pure research. We do some of that, absolutely. Um, but that's not that's not the bulk of what we do at all. You know, we we have a um, we we work with NASA and the ESA on their space telescopes. We advise and we we get you know some telescope time 
But for the most part, we're more, I guess you could say, practical technology-oriented kind of applications. Uh, I want to stress, we don't do military technology. We don't do... Um, I don't know if you saw recently, it was in the news, there is with uh, genetic engineering and uh, specifically like viruses and bacteria, there's a concept called gain-of-function research, which is something we'll talk about when we talk about biotechnology. Uh, we don't do that. We don't do stuff that can directly cause harms. We worry about things like climate change, access to energy, journal automation, uh, space debris cleanup, that kind of stuff. We do that. Um, and all of our research very much taps into what's a problem, how can we tackle it, and how can we use the resources we have to just do that thing. Absolutely. Um our structure is pretty flat. We are a socially democratic organization and that we do have a board, but it's it's very large and the board is only um, kind of a partial decision-making agency within the larger body of the IBRC. Very few decisions are centralized in our organization. Um, kind of the only things that are are uh, non-disclosure when it comes to research. So let's say you are working in genetic engineering and you come across something that's potentially dangerous. Normally, that research would go right out into the public commons because we believe that science is a public good. It belongs to everybody. We're just finding it. Um, but you would go to, for instance, in Mineral Hill, the non-disclosure board, which as the joint projects director, I am the chair of uh, with seven other people. And we have to come to a decision on whether or not that thing needs to be not disclosed, basically. And it's very rare. I mean, it is. it is... Incredibly uncommon. We're not hiding the cure for cancer. You know, we're not hiding stuff like that. We're hiding, uh-oh, you know, we made smallpox. Well, we've never made smallpox too. I'm just going to put that way. We've never made the sequel to smallpox, but we figured out how to do it, and that's not great. <laughs> um, and that's something that just happens when you do that kind of research. You find things with applications you hadn't expected. And our goal is to never cause harm with science. We believe science is democratizing. We believe science is liberating. And the second we make it not that, we're doing something pretty bad. As we go on through a lot of um, kind of talking about projects that we do here over future episodes, uh, you're going to get a better idea of how the IBRC works, but I, I hope that was kind of a good introduction to what we actually, how we function as an organization. Um, as for our history, the International uh, Breakthrough Research Consortium was, I don't want to say founded, had its roots, kind of emerged almost organically in the late 2010s and the early 2020s. Originally, uh, it was nothing more than a group of scientists with very little funding who were, uh, for good reason, <laughs> extremely worried about climate change and the lack of response to it. Um, some um, private equity people, and, I, and this is you know one of those things, I, I don't like talking about um, you know heroic capitalism, we're kind of out of that era, we're trying to get out of it anyway, but it's worth remembering that, I mean, you know, there was a time in the world where if you wanted to get anything done, you needed a fair bit of money, and thankfully there were some people with a, you know that fair bit of money who kind of realized, hey, um, things aren't getting better and are in fact going to get worse, who uh, backed those early IBRC members and kind of crystallized it into an independent organization, you know, non-national, it's not entirely associated with the United Nations. And the IBRC's first uh, proposed project to, um, not not to the UN, but to actually individual nations, was uh, a carbon remediation, carbon capture and remediation, which literally involves pulling carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and uh, was called remediating it, which is basically just storing it. And we're going to 
after after this episode, probably our first kind of I think series is going to be a larger discussion of, of climate change and and what we do here that's related to it. But I mean that is that's a hydra. There's there's a lot to talk about how we confront climate change here and just generally. And I don't want to I don't want to trap you here for the the full run of Radio Mineral Hill. Um, that would be a a full three hour episode, and I I don't want to do that. Um, uh, kind of on our like. I mean, Avi, I guess this is the pilot. I, okay, so I've been back in the city for, um, I mean, I've been back in Mineral Hill for about a week and a half now. You know, the last week we had a normal run of Radio Mineral Hill, uh, and this is the first one we're kind of carving out content and sending it out to, you know, all y'all. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't want to send, send out a, a three hour technically pilot. That sounds like a bad time. So we're not going to do that. Uh, instead, I'm just going to say global warming stuff. Talk about that in a future episode of Radio Mineral Hill. Tune in. For that, uh, for now, we're just going to say that um, one of the reasons why the IBRC got a lot of momentum uh, internally was in in the late 2010s. You know, the effects of climate change were getting were getting pretty bad, and that's something I, I do genuinely want to talk about in just a hot second. Um, but a lot of people, when people first started seriously talking about the idea of geoengineering. A lot of people uh, really balked at that idea and said, oh, that's that's science fiction. That's, you know, a bad idea. Why don't we just do things cleaner? And the reaction of a lot of scientists to that was was kind of horror <laughs> because it's hard to communicate to people like, well, the time for that was 20 years ago. Now we need to build a machine to suck carbon dioxide out of the air. Um and and we really needed that combination of a shared voice and at the time, capital to really, you know, be heard at all. Um, and and I want to talk a little bit about kind of the atmosphere that used to be around climate change and the, and the attitude that used to be around it, because, um, and this is something that, that you know, I do, I do science communication. Uh, a couple months ago, I was on a, a podcast about medical history, and we're always tempted to look back in history. In fact, the episode I was on was talking about um, the early quarter of the century of this century and kind of the um as they as they call it in the show the the gender revolution which is a little sensational but you know whatever and the early medicalizing of it um that carried on into the 20th 21st century was not great it wasn't good and one of the things we talked about in that show and i want to i want to stress here anytime we talk about the past is it's really easy to look back in history and forget the context of those people who lived then. Um, I mean, one, there, there are, you know, obviously, if, you know, if you're listening now, it's possible that you were alive in the 2010s. And if you are, hello, thank you for listening. Um, and, and, you know, maybe your grandparents or your parents were alive back then or are still alive. Um, you know, they're not dumb. People back then weren't any more or less dumb than they are today. Just like, you know, people who were alive in the 1900s weren't any more or less dumb than they are today. And I mean, like the early 1900s. Um, it's, it's a, it's a problem of context. It's a problem of what we really know. And, and one of the things with climate change in particular, and this is something that the IBRC really had to fight against. Um, we got, we got some help in, in a kind of a grim way, but we still had to really fight against the fact that there was a, um, you know, a campaign that involved unknowable amounts of money, if not millions, then billions of American dollars were being spent on assuring you know, basically the entire industrialized world, that climate change, at first, first off, that anthropogenic human-caused climate change wasn't real. 
And then they let the message slide a little bit to, okay, well, maybe it's real, but it's not that big of a deal. And if it's happening, it's, you know, it doesn't matter. It's fine. Don't even worry about it. Don't sweat it. Doesn't matter. Um, and there was so much obfuscation around it and so many just plain lies. You know, people saying things like, oh, you know, the ice sheets are actually growing. They're not shrinking. Meanwhile, like, you could look at satellite images, you know, pictures, and be like, no, they're definitely getting smaller and it's bad it's really really bad um you know you have to you have to remember that the people who who denied that were being lied to and again on a literally industrial scale and what we had to do with the ibrc was learn how to really combat that in a way that hadn't been combated before and what cemented us as you know kind of this organization was we'll talk about in the climate change episode i don't want to get too heavy but was the Sacramento fire in 2022. Um, and people finally had to go, okay, this is real. This is happening. It's, it's bad. What do we do now? And thankfully we were there with a big pile of recommendations. Um, again, the big one was, was capture and re- carbon capture and remediation. That was, that was kind of our big, you know, headliner. Um, and we had, uh, you know, test fields. We had, we had uh, one outside of Beijing in China we had uh, one in New Mexico, kind of right on the Texas border. Uh, and we had another in, oh my gosh, where are my notes? Avi, where was the one in Europe? Outside of Essen. Essen? Yes, in Europe. In Germany. Thank you, Avi. I'm very good at this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we had those three set up and you know we showed people how that they worked. They were very, uh, relatively low power. It, it was a passive process, but you know, very expansive and was going to be expensive. Uh, the big stage after that was um, biofuels because we knew that there was no way we were going to go from a basically entirely petroleum based economy to not at all. There was there was no way that transition was going to happen. But thankfully, we had uh, new reactor designs and uh, new species of algae, you know, little little microscopic plants that we could, you know, bioengineer to be better at producing um, fuel. And and here's the thing about that. And and this is one of those things that's kind of a little subtle thing. And, and you're going to hear this and go, oh, well, that sounds simple and straightforward. But remember, if you're alive in the 2010s and, and even into the 2020s, there is a multi-billion dollar industry that is carpeting your news and internet, you know, your television and, and internet feed with, this is actually not true. So this little complexity is going to, you know, sounds simple to you, but it's complex as someone who's being lied to all the time. Basically, gaslit, which is both sad and also a pretty good pun, by the oil and natural gas industry. So, when we pull fuel up out of the ground, you know, petroleum stuff, and we burn that, we are taking fuel that's underground, you know, carbon, and we're burning it and releasing it to the atmosphere. We are adding to the total carbon dioxide in the environment. Because we took it out of the ground, we put it up in the air. Simple. When we make algal, algal fuels... Algal? Algal. I hate that word. Um, <laughs> we take algal fuels, we're pulling carbon dioxide out of the air, and when we burn them, we're putting it, you know, back in the air. Now, that is not ideal, because ideally, we would take carbon dioxide out of the air, but, you know, it's at least carbon neutral. And, in a, you know, aside from other things, you know, or, or your next two other things that are actively removing carbon dioxide from the atmosphere... It is highly effective in that it is removing the increase. It's reducing what's called the carbon flux. 
Um, and that was kind of the big focus on geoengineering because we didn't initially want to do anything involving the atmosphere. We didn't want to, you know, put blankets over the ice sheets to try to, you know, increase the Earth's albedo. We didn't want to, we didn't want to start with that because that stuff was the heavy stuff. The simple stuff was suck the bad stuff out of the air and stop putting new bad stuff in the air. And we came up with pretty good solutions for that. Um, so there was, there was that. And, and, and in 2022, we got a lot of funding to start building those. Um, the, the biofuel reactors were a little more difficult. That's where we started getting the history of Mineral Hill. Um, but what really cemented Mineral Hill's founding was the 2024 auto recession. This was back when automation was, uh, before then, pretty basic. I don't want to say it was, you know, it was, it was nothing. Uh, people for about the last, up until, because this is 2024, so for about the last 50 or 60 years, people were really worried about, you know, robots, machines, autos, taking people's jobs. And for the most part, up until then, autos couldn't do the same kind of work as people. They could do heavy, repetitive, kind of what you might call like blunt work. Um, but, you know, if you wanted to, you know, go to a restaurant, people were going to have to make your food because you don't want an auto doing that. It's, it's the 20s, right? Or at least it's the 10s because we're about to, we're talking about the 20s. It's the early 20s. Um, but but in the, in the mid-2020s, the cost of producing autos that could do that work, that could make your food, that could pick up your trash, that could deliver your groceries... Um, the cost of producing those started dropping really hard and really fast. And there were people in the mid-2020s, I'm saying this now feeling incredibly old because some of you um, maybe might not have been alive back then, which is scary to think about. Again, I just feel 400 years old. Um, but yeah, back in, back in 2024, there were people saying, that, oh, well, we need to make human labor cheaper. And the thing is, is let's say... To, to replace a human worker, you have to buy an auto that costs as much as an entire year's salary for one human worker. Well, that auto can work 24-7 for pennies on the dollar, and you can keep them for over a year. So you get more work for less money basically immediately. Um, you Instead, you basically just pay the cost of their wage up front. Um, and if you're a human, you can't compete with pennies on the dollar in capitalism because there's this thing called, well, these things called like, you know, food and shelter and, and back then in America, healthcare that you had to buy and you, you needed those things and you needed a job to have those things. And suddenly autos were replacing, uh, transportation, which was a massive swath of the economy, um, you know, now if you go to a coffee shop, you go up to the auto, you, you know, use, you use your little app if it's a coffee shop you've been to before, because it already knows what you like and it just makes your coffee. Um, but if it's a new one, you, you know, there's probably a pad on it and you tell it what kind of coffee you want and it makes your coffee and it will make the same coffee all the time anywhere that, that another one of those autos that happens to be. Um, you can't, you can't beat that guys. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. It's, very convenient and relative to human labor, insanely cheap. Um, it's also worth remembering that if you were a, a uh, let's say you were a lawyer back then, um, a lot of your work as a lawyer was, or, or like a whole law firm was like digging through big piles of documentation to find stuff. Well, autos back then weren't just, well, not just back then, but now 
um, autos were becoming not just machines, but like artificial intelligences, because what made autos really viable was the artificial intelligences that ran them. And, you know, they weren't this this still what this was still a long way from like true generalized artificial intelligence, which we're still maybe some ways from. But who knows? Um, but these were, you know, by the time by the standards of the times, very smart intelligences. These were very smart machines by the standards of their time. Unlike people, the autos of the 20s were pretty dumb. So, you know, grain of salt there. But you could get an AI and it would do all of that work for your entire law firm and 100 other law firms that would normally take, you know, hundreds of people to do. And it would do it in a day. Again, you can't compete with that. Um, and it, it caused a pretty bad economic crash. It was a bad time. And this was actually the thing that made Mineral Hill happen. Because the IBRC went um, to primarily the American government. Because the American government was hit very hard by this. Um, back then, uh, the United States of America did not have a UBI. Um, did not have, uh, you know fully available health care and i i don't want to you know i don't want to pin that blame on anybody or in any any ideologies that's not what the show is about um but it was a different time back then you know the, the 20s were a different time in american history i don't know if you can tell i'm told as i look at avi who's beginning to sneer at me uh, i'm told i have a very slight texan accent especially as i say words like accent but um you know i i i love texas i love america i do um it was a different time back then. Things were, people had different priorities and different attitudes about things. And, you know, I don't, again, I don't want to, I don't want to spend all this time in this show talking about how cool science and technology are and how it's the fault of, you know, dumb past people that we didn't get those cool things earlier. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's constructive. I don't even think that's accurate. So we're not going to, we're not going to do that. We're just going to say it was a different time in the world and it was a different time in America and America was hit really hard by the auto recession and we went the ibrc went to the american government and said hey um one of the problems that you have is that the economy has been hurt very much badly by the the prevalence of autos and a lot of industries where that labor can't be replaced by autos no longer has really the money for you know people um we have a lot of really good roboticists and artificial intelligence designers um you know, you, you, what you could do is give us some funding, give us some support, and maybe somewhere to do research, and we can work on a, you know, the next generation of autos right now, today. And what came out of that was Mineral Hill. So back, back then, back in, um, by then this was about 2025, because the auto recession had been going on for a while, uh, the United States federal government uh, located a place in inside the borders of, of America, in Texas, no less, in West Texas, uh, in Century County. And they said, okay, we're going to give you money to develop this town of, of Mineral Hill into a laboratory town. Basically, just um, if you're familiar with World War II and the, uh, the research and development that done back then, there's a city in New Mexico uh, called Los Alamos which is specifically American. We're not associated with Los, Los Alamos, at least not directly. Um, when, I, when I worked at the EPA, the board I was on oversaw certain stuff at Los Alamos, but that's the EPA, and I'm not there anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, 
we um we were given leeway within Century County, um, and there's a, a city just about 15, 20 minutes away called Virgil, Texas. And Virgil's a proper city. Today, it's about a quarter million people. Um, back then, it was a little bit smaller, about 150, 150,000 people. Um, not 150 people, 150,000 people, because now it's a quarter million. That would be crazy if that was a city. Things weren't that bad. The auto recession wasn't that bad back then. Um... Yeah, we worked with um, kind of the city council in Virgil and the then very small town of, of Mineral Hill. Mineral Hill had maybe five, 6,000 people in the mid-20s. Um, and we came into town with these, this big plot of land and we said, okay, we're going to build bioreactors here. We're going to you know build uh, next generation research for uh, you know, carbon remediation over here. And it, like right down the middle, we're going to have our kind of robotics and, and AI R&D right in the middle of the facility town. And Mineral Hill very quickly grew into a proper research city. I mean, that's that's really what it is. Mineral Hill is a city dedicated to research. Now, there are regular non-research people who live in Mineral Hill. Mineral Hill is just a town. Um, but Mineral Hill and, and, the, uh, and, and Virgil, Texas, and Century County in general are unique in that um, it is, first off, there, there are some, some rumors about Century County that I want to dismiss. This is important. Um, we are not rebelling from the American government. That's a real thing. I saw that on the internet yesterday. It's not true. We're not trying to rebel or secede or whatever. Uh, we do not have laws that are distinct from America. That's not really how that works. We are part of the United States. If you come to Century County and you, you know, do a crime... It's a crime elsewhere in America. It's a crime here, and uh, if it's a st- if it's a crime that you need to go to a a bigger court for, we send you out of the county. Maybe maybe you go to Austin. I don't know. I'm not a law person. I don't know anything about the law. It's not my specialty for the most part. Um, technically, my background is is in a combination of uh, STEM and economics. None of that means law, so don't use me for legal advice. But yeah, uh, if it's a federal crime, we send you out go do that away from us because we are part of america uh but when you're in century county um and if you are working for the ibrc there are extra regulations i mentioned earlier if you're doing research you are uh, held to our rules on disclosure if you violate those rules uh we get to kick you out we get to uh take away your research visa now additionally because you know you have a research visa we can also give out research visas. We we handle that locally for the most part. Um, work visa, you know, general work visas. We can expedite, but if you're a researcher who who wants to come work here and we want you to come work here, we can we can facilitate that. We can just give you a visa, um, and in and in return, you follow our our extra rules, and you get the benefits of being here, which I think are many. Um. Yeah, but we are not we are not a separate entity from the United States. I I promise. Um I know that there are some people even in Washington who like to make that claim, but I promise that we're not a foreign influence in the Southwest or or anything like that. We are you know, we're we're not we're not all red-blooded Americans here, but I mean, we're also doing work that benefits everybody, Americans included. So Knock it off. We're doing fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, I there's not a I didn't have a coda to that. I just I just wanted to mention that that we're we're doing that. Um, 
Century County is structured a little differently than a lot of other stuff in America because we do get funding from different, you know, from different sources around the world um, that lets us run things a little democratically here. You know, we have a city's council, we have a citizens board, we have local police um, who are overseen by both of those those groups. Um, it is it is like any modern you know city in the world basically. Um, yeah. And, you know, if you are here as, as a researcher, you know, you, you get your UBI, you get your pay, you get, you know, whatever, you know, kind of is in your package to come work here. Um, if you're, now there is another thing, uh, we do have some, um, corporate partners who come and work here and, and we're happy to have the help. We're happy to have people who come from, um, you know, certain corporations who have interest in our research, but even they are not exempt from the disclosure clause. So, you know, if a pharmaceutical company comes here and they find some cool cure for some less cool disease, um, we they have to tell people and they have to make it available for production. In return, uh, they can do that development. Um, you know, does that cut into their profits? Yeah, it does. You know, that's that's the end of that sentence. I, I, there's not a, I don't have a, there's no but. It's just, yes, it does. Um, <laughs> Avi is shaking his head again. Um, yeah, no, I know. I'm not getting political. I'm just saying that, you know, we don't do uh, profit-directed research here. Uh, you know, there's a reason we can still go into space. And it's, it's yeah, uh, that's another episode. So yeah, that's that's Mineral Hill. Uh, there's there's a lot more to talk about. There's a lot more that I I really want to share with everybody, but I I think we're reaching a pretty good. I don't want to say wrapping up point because that I think that puts too fine a points on it. Makes it sound like maybe we'll never see each other again, or or, or at least you'll never hear from me again. I don't want to do that. No no no. Um, but I do want to say this, that you know, what we do here is we do good work here. I think. I, I obviously am, am very proud to be Joint Projects Director. I'm very proud to get to come back to Mineral Hill. I did uh, had an internship here when I was in college. And coming back to town has been pretty cool. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. It makes me feel good. Um, that said, you know, there are, are people in, in American government. And I don't, I'm not going to name names. Looking at Avi, I'm not going to be political. But there are people who think that our our money, our resources, our time would be better spent on other things. And, you know, I, I want you to have fun listening to this. I want you to get to know our town, get to know our community, and, and feel a connection to us. I, I really want that. But at, at most pragmatic, and yet still, you know, kind of not very pragmatic, is to understand the same as we do and to view the same as we do that Science is a powerful force for democracy. It's a powerful force for equality. And that the spread of knowledge and technology liberates us. Um, there's a, a saying comes from my college days, and I don't I don't want to get too political, <clears throat> Avi. But uh, there's an old saying that's if you're not a leftist, you're a Luddite. And, you know... It's not that we're all politically motivated here, because we're not. There are a lot of people here who would who would say that they are borderline apolitical as people. But all of us here, um, I like to believe, are motivated by a vision of equality 
and justice and hope and freedom for not just as many people as possible, but everybody. And we're, and we're working towards that here. That is our goal here. And that means making the climate better. That means, you know, yes, asteroid mining. That means autos. All the stuff that we do here, hopefully, we believe, and, and I want you to believe, makes for a better world for everyone. Not just you, but, you know, also you. Um, so yeah, until we speak again, I have been Joint Projects Director Oz Cohen here in Mineral Hill for Radio Mineral Hill, and I don't want to say goodbye, but I will say this. If you're here next time, I'll be here too, and I'll see you then. Thank you. It is nice to block the doorway. It is nice to go to jail. There are nicer ways to do it. But the nice ways always fail. It isn't nice, it isn't nice. You told us once, you told us twice. But if that is freedom's price, we don't mind.